0: In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost, amen. Once in the 1950s, there was a young girl making her way with her family across the Atlantic on an ocean liner, on her way to her new home in Germany, where her father, an Air Force officer, had been transferred. Although she was a Protestant, there were clearly a good number of Catholics on board as well, as Catholic services were being held in addition to the Protestant ones, which she and her family were attending. One day, she chanced upon a circlet of beads with a crucifix lying on deck. She picked it up, and perceiving that it had been dropped by one of the women standing nearby, approached one of them and asked, What is this? Oh, that's not for you, the woman replied dismissively as she gently took the beads from the girl's hand and walked off. The girl grew up, got married and had a family of her own. Her son became a Catholic at university and afterwards discerned a call to the priesthood. She saw him one day with his set of beads, and not long after, one of his Catholic friends offered her a set of her own. She was then prompted to tell her son the story from her childhood. It was the first time she had held a rosary since that day on the ship. What if things had gone differently for my mother that day on the ship? What if the Catholic woman had taken the time to answer her perfectly good question. That's a rosary, young lady. Thank you for picking it up. We use it to help us pray. Would you like to see how it works? But of course, such a reply would be rather out of place. The girl had her own parents, and she clearly wasn't Catholic. The woman wasn't a missionary after all. She was just another passenger on the ship. This Sunday in October has been known for generations as Mission Sunday. We add special prayers today to the Mass. Catholics join in praying around the world for the success of the missions. Go back a few generations, even to the 1950s, and you are still in a world where Catholics distinguish clearly between Christendom the lands already evangelized, and mission territory, where people had not yet heard the gospel. There certainly still are peoples who have never heard the saving words of Christ. But there are no longer any nations on earth that remain true to them. The entire world is once again mission territory. In the past century, we have often heard it said that missionary activity is now being replaced with religious dialogue. Now, dialogue doesn't have to be a bad word. One of the most remarkable works to come down to us from the first generations after the apostles is the Dialogue with Trifo by St. Justin Martyr. In it, St. Justin describes his long conversation with a Jew of his time who had approached him, thinking him a great philosopher and wishing to converse with him. The Jew was very surprised by Justin's answers. He explained that for him, the foundation of all truth was divine revelation, that same divine revelation which was known to the Jew, Trifo, but which had led St. Justin to embrace the truth of Christ. The long conversation ends amicably enough with the Jew conveying great words of respect toward Justin's opinions. And Justin's last words are I can wish no better thing for you, sirs, than this, that you may be of the same opinion as ourselves and believe that Jesus is the Christ of God. Even closer to home, Pope Leo XIII told American Catholics over a hundred years ago something which I rather wish that woman on the ship had heeded. We think, said the Pope, that there are many in your country who are separated from Catholic truth more by ignorance than by ill will, who might perchance more easily be drawn to the one fold of Christ if this truth be set forth to them in a friendly, familiar way. There is certainly nothing wrong with entering into friendly conversation or dialogue with non-Catholics and showing them common respect as human beings, learning about their perspective so that we can communicate the truth to them more effectively. If, however, by dialogue one means that we should converse with the members of other religions and even with agnostics and atheists, in order to overcome our differences, agree on some vague acceptance of a higher power, and thereby achieve an earthly peace, an interreligious dialogue is a vain delusion indeed, for it promises a peace which the world can never give. Considering what is happening at this very moment in the Middle East, yet another cruel war, Which side is in the right this time? We Christians look far beyond that question. We point to the undeniable truth, which the world hopes no one will notice. The whole of world affairs continues to revolve around this tiny patch of land where God took flesh from a virgin and became man, suffered, died, was buried, and rose again. There will never be peace in that land Until all the peoples who live there, whatever their stock, acknowledge its rightful king. But there is something far worse about interreligious dialogue than the fact that it fails to bring peace. By putting all opinions on a par, it robs men of the words of eternal life. Perhaps it's unfair even to include atheists in such a meet and greet. Many would refuse to show up. An atheist at least understands what it means to call some ideas wrong. An atheist declares all religions are false. We reply, indeed, all religions are false, except for one. Christ is not one of many ways to God. Christ is not the most privileged way to God. Christ is the only way. Merely acknowledging Christ is not enough. You must abandon all other paths and proceed down this royal way of the cross. You must be baptized into the church that he founded and persevere in that one true church until death. For outside of that church, there is no salvation. Extra ecclesiam nulla salus. Outside the Church, there is no salvation. The phrase itself is taken from the writings of the 3rd century father, St. Cyprian of Carthage, and it has ever been held by the Universal Church as her true doctrine. St. Cyprian declares further in his powerful treatise on the unity of the Church, he can never have God for his father, who has not the Church for his mother. If anyone who could escape who was outside the Ark of Noah, then he also may escape who shall be outside of the Church. Note carefully, as Catholics, we do not hold that outside the Church there is no grace. If that were the case, God forbid, no one could ever enter the Church. For salvation is not a human achievement. It is the work of God's grace which he freely bestows on men. In the last gospel of every Mass we hear, he was the true light which enlightens every man who comes into the world. One thing alone is absolutely necessary to inherit eternal life and to behold God in the face. It is to leave this world in the state of grace. And God grants to every man sufficient grace to embrace the truth if he accepts that sufficient grace he is set then on a path toward the catholic faith grace is added to grace as he hastens toward the one thing that can set his heart at rest however much he may fail as yet to express it in words it is even possible that should he be cut off by death before he formally enters the church his desire to receive the sacraments will obtain for him the grace of justification so that he leaves this world in God's friendship. The Church has always granted funeral rites to catechumens who die before their reception into the Church. Well, if salvation is God's word, if he gives sufficient grace to all men, why do we need missionaries? The apostles declared we cannot but speak the things which we have seen and heard. We must be missionaries, each in his own state of life, because Christ has commanded it: go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost. How often do we fail to reflect that our Savior communicates that sufficient grace through members of his mystical body? how often has it been the duty of you or me to bring that grace to someone outside of the fold? What was our motive in neglecting to do so? Embarrassment? Timidity? Laziness? If so, it will surely form a part of our own particular judgment. If we truly believe in the power of the sacraments of Christ— then we must believe with equal fervor that they are for everyone. St. Thomas Aquinas masterfully resumed the revealed doctrine handed down from the Apostles in teaching that every human being conceived on this earth is a potential member of the mystical body of Christ. If we are Catholics in the state of grace, then our hearts should burn with supernatural charity in desiring that every man, heretic, pagan, or Jew, should come to the knowledge of the truth and receive that saving grace which we, through no merit of our own, have had showered upon us. Let us be of one mind with St. Irenaeus, who wielded his pen in fearsome battle against the heretics of the second century and prayed that they, being converted to the Church of God, may be lawfully begotten that Christ may be formed in them, that they may know the Framer and Maker of this universe, the only true God and Lord of all. We pray for these things on their behalf, loving them better than they seem to love themselves. For our love, much as it is true, is salutary to them, if they will but receive it. O God, who wouldst have all men to be saved, And come to the knowledge of the truth. Send forth, we beseech thee, laborers into thy harvest. And grant that they may proclaim thy word with all boldness. That thy word may spread and be made manifest. And all nations may know thee as the one true God and him whom thou hast sent. Jesus Christ, thy Son, our Lord. Amen.